Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Oh yeah, my name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Joe Biden's out in the Rose Garden popping those champagne corks. <laughs> the U.S. economy at a slight jump last quarter. Great news for the Democrats ahead of the midterms. Third quarter GDP rising. 2.6% hammer. So this comes after the nation's GDP had shrunk the first half of this year. So yes, this is reason to celebrate if you're Joe Biden, but should you pump the brakes a little bit on the confetti? It's okay to be happy, but should you be crapping snowballs? <laughs> That's the question. Well, I mean, these numbers are just estimates, by the way. They'll eventually be revised, and I'm not saying they're going to be worse or better. I'm just telling you, you're probably going to see another party in the Rose Garden from the Democrats telling you the economy is all fixed, we're all fine. And and when I say they're really doing is trying to massage these estimates for all they're worth ahead of the midterms, which I really don't think it's going to make a difference because people are still feel, feeling the effects of inflation in their pocketbooks. This doesn't, I, I don't think people l- look at this, the average Joe Sixpack and say, oh, all right, we're, everything's fine. We're good yep. now. All right, vote Democrat. I'm going to go and buy a Tesla. Hell, look at this report. <laughs> so this is the headline from the New York Times. Okay, this is not Fox News. This is not Newsmax. This is the very liberal New York Times. Quote, the U.S. economy grew 0.6% in the third quarter, a 2.6 annual rate, a rebound, but not enough to ease worries about a recession. Yeah, I mean, something similar in USA Today. They're not very optimistic. Quote, the performance likely marked a reprieve ahead of next year's projected recession rather than a sign of a brighter outlook. Hey, I hope that's not the case. I don't want to see recession. Some people think we already already in a, are in a recession. Technically, yeah. we are if you go by every other year's definition, but the Biden administration changed the definition. They went full rowdy Roddy Piper. Mondo, I feel like you can appreciate this. When you think you have the answers, I change the rules. That was what rowdy Roddy Piper used to say. When you think you know the definition of a recession... We changed the rules. It's the Biden administration. Here is uh, an economist. It's a former Obama guy, Austin Goolsby. He jumped on uh, CNBC earlier today. But our overall point is still pretty bumpy. So so I think people should buckle their seatbelts on this one. Not a real ringing endorsement. And by the way, his last name, Goolsby. How very Halloween of him. <laughs> Wasn't that Sammy Terry's like little sidekick, Goolsby? Wasn't there an episode where Goolsby, sure. and I believe it was played by the late, great Gary Lee, he tried to get an Ari Leyendijk's race car, and Sammy Terry had to go over there, Goolsby, what are you doing? See if you can find that in our system, Mondo. I promise you, somewhere in there, there's Sammy Terry and Ari Leyendijk's car. Uh, but here's a little bit more from CNBC. This is the... Uh, Chief Economist Dr. Lindsay Pigza. So I, I don't think that we're seeing upward momentum in any of the components in the third quarter report. And in fact, also as pointed out, durable goods, when we strip out those other uh, components and look at the, the core of business investment, is starting out the fourth quarter particularly weak. So I do think this was a welcomed reprieve relative to six months of negative growth at the start of the year, but this is hardly indicative of strength for the underlying economy. Oh, you're not going to hear that from Joe Biden or any of the good time party boys uh, in the West Wing. No, no, not at all. They're pouring champagne, they're (laughs) high-fiving, they're grab-assing. 
Um, so yeah, that's the uh, report that came out today, and now we sit and wait for the rest of the year to unfold, and we try to forecast what happens for next year. For this next story, Mondo, I need some mood music. I think it's getting close, Nudge. What's that? Trump versus DeSantis. Oh, oh boy. So the DeSantis campaign, not real happy with the orange man because Donald Trump's throwing this big rally in Florida on Sunday. He invited Marco Rubio. He's telling people to vote for Marco Rubio. But you know who was not invited? Ron DeSantis. Wait, so he's throwing this rally from Rubio uh, and snubbing DeSantis. This is just a couple days before the midterm elections. Right. Wow. A November 6th rally in Miami uh, for Marco Rubio. And this email blast went out to all of Trump's followers. And this comes as a shock to the DeSantis camp because they had an event scheduled the same day. Yeah, I see where you're going with this. It's beginning. Now, a couple days ago, this kind of flew under the radar. Uh, DeSantis threw his weight behind a a Colorado Republican who once kind of discouraged the GOP from supporting Trump in 2024. Trump went on Truth Social and called it a, quote, big mistake. Oh, that kind of flew under the radar uh, a couple of days ago. DeSantis throwing his weight behind somebody that Trump didn't like. And the reply from uh, the social media, uh, what is it, True Social? Truth Social, yeah. Quote, big mistake. So we've been kind of waiting for this, right? Like there's been some murmuring, there's been some rumors that eventually Donald Trump is going to cut the legs out of Ron DeSantis. There's been a lot of anonymous sources who have said he's been ripping DeSantis behind closed doors. But now this is the first time that we've heard anything about the DeSantis campaign Mm -hmm. being ticked off at Donald Trump. So for those of you who thought this would be some sort of great partnership, right? Trump for president, DeSantis for vice. And then after that, it's going to be DeSantis's time. That ain't happening. That is not going to happen. Yeah, well, I, they can't be on the same ticket anyway because they're both in Florida. But uh, no, but when we had Bill O'Reilly on, he said like, if you really wanted it to happen, DeSantis would move somewhere and make it happen. <laughs> he's still going to win. Uh, uh, you know, he's got an election coming up, which I think in part is is really is probably kind of irking DeSantis that that two days before the big gubernatorial election in Florida, he's throwing a rally for uh, uh, Rubio. Trump is. Um, I'm going to play you a video here. This is a video that's going viral. Again, as we're into the midterm season, we've been talking a lot about, you know, political races and debates and things like that. But let's not forget what's happening in our schools across this country. There's a lot of lunatics that are teaching your kids. Here's another example. This is a video that's going viral. It's a teacher in North in a North northern part of Virginia. Remember when they had all that stuff going on with the school board and uh, the county there? Yeah, and and they were covering up some assaults and stuff like that from a trans student. Yeah. Right. So this is kind of the same area here. This is a teacher that wants to come out as trans to his elementary students, but he's not quite sure how to do it. So he's asking TikTok for help. Hey, TikTok, I need your help with something. And it's really important to me and it's going to be a big deal. I'm coming out at work as trans to everyone, including all my students, who I've known some of them for a couple years now. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to address their question. I'm not good at this stuff. 
I'm gonna ask them to start calling me Miss Ella and to use the proper pronouns. But knowing kids, especially elementary school age kids, they're gonna ask questions. So if you have any resources on it or, or anything, please let me know. For the love of God, just teach my kids math. <laughs> stop. Would you stop coming out to my to my elementary school age students, please? Please. Is that, is that too much to ask? Just teach them <laughs> English. Teach them math. Stop coming out and looking for support from your elementary school students. What is wrong with you people? Sweet mother of God. All right, we have an update here, Nige. Okay. So we played the soundbite earlier from the uh, former Obama economist, Austin Goolsby, okay. which got us thinking about Sammy Terry and his sidekick, Goolsby. <laughs> and I referenced a great moment in Sammy Terry history where <laughs> Goolsby tried to get in Ari Leyendijk's car. <laughs> Goolsby, what are you doing? Get out of that car. <laughs> No, Goolsby, you can't drive that. Ari Leyendijk is going to drive that car in the 500-mile race. <laughs> and this is like a young Ari Leyendijk. So he's standing there, and he has no idea what's going on. There's a dude dressed up like Sammy Terry. There's a sidekick named Goolsby. They're screwing with his race car. <laughs> and Obama's economist, his former economist's last name. Goolsby. <laughs> what are you doing? That's so good. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Oh man, I saw this. I thought it was it's kind of interesting. You remember the um, you know what the Ford Fiesta is, right? The, those they called them a super mini. Right. A really tiny, small car. Been around I think since the mid-70s. And uh, very affordable, very uh, efficient in terms of gasoline. They are uh, going away after uh, nearly 47 years. It's going to be replaced by electric vehicles. Oh, one of my favorite memes is that picture of Harrison Ford shaking up a cocktail like Tom Cruise. And it just says Ford Fiesta. (laughs) (laughs) Not seen that one. Uh I, it, it, a little too small for me. The, these the, the small car cars scare me. Like the British automotive group, just mini. You seen those minis running around? Um, I just like I like as much metal in between me and the other car as possible. So I'm willing to. You pay want there to be as of, much yeah. shrapnel as possible when you get into an accident, right? Right. <laughs> so um, here is our tribute, the Hammer and Nigel tribute, saying adios to the Fiesta. No more Ford Fiesta. Oh, no. Ford is building electric cars so they can compete with Tesla. (laughs) There you go. That's pretty much what it comes Mm -hmm. down to now. Uh, Mondo, we are just a couple of days away. It's time for Halloween stuff. Pumpkins. Candy. Costumes. Halloween stuff. Goolsby. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, by the way, I put that video out on our Twitter at Hammer and Nigel. I'm watching it right. If you want to see Goolsby trying to get into Ari Leyendijk's car. <laughs> uh, Dateline, Texas. A pizza place in Texas is catching some hell because of a Halloween decoration that shows 
Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite pizza. Oh. No. It's got fake eyeballs and severed fingers no. and an ear on it. It's a Halloween prop. It's a Halloween decoration. You offended by this, Nige? I would probably. Yeah, that grossed me out, I think. Now, this isn't an actual. It's not an actual finger, no. Well, no, I'm just saying that it's not like some sort of sort of edible-looking eyeball or something like that that they put on a real pizza. This is just a prop that's in the store. Right, okay. right. So, like, if you have if an can... inflatable skeleton in your yard, you yeah. know, it's not a real skeleton. This is like a fake thing they put on a pizza to showcase. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> it's the Jeffrey Dahmer special. That is disgusting. Um, I, I don't know. Probably if you're one of the victims families and you walk into this store and see that you, you're turning around and walking back out i i don't think anybody should be canceled for it it's a it's, halloween it's, decoration i mean come on oh this thing's making me gag just look at it <laughs> Ooh. Uh, hot take i don't think people are supposed to order that so it's designed <laughs> take the Dahmer special please i'll take the Dahmer special please um now from the people who bring you Halloween stuff, I'm going to switch gears a little bit on you. I'm going to give you a little misdirection. Kyle, mood music. What are you doing? It's the best time We've got an announcement. TNT and TBS have announced that, along with the Christmas story, Christmas Vacation and Elf will have 24-hour TV marathons coming up. Nice. I thought they already did that, but okay. TBS is going to air Elf for 24 hours straight the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation will air on TNT for 24 hours beginning the Sunday after Thanksgiving. That's the perfect days to watch those movies, I think. The Thanksgiving holiday is over. Full swing into Christmas. Uh, I love it. Yeah, I love having that stuff on in the background. And now, I'm looking forward to a Christmas story. Uh, I think it was on HBO Max. They got the uh, sequel or the the updated version with uh, you know a, a 45 year old Ralphie. Oh, that comes out here in a couple weeks, yeah, I think. Yeah. And then of course they do the 24 hours of a Christmas story, Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. To which uh, Chris Hammers in studio, you can back me up here. Uh, your mother tries to make us watch all 24 hours of that damn thing. Uh, the network said they will begin airing their array of holiday movies beginning next weekend. This includes Whoa. Christmas Vacation, Elf, Polar Express, Grinch, Fred Claus, a bunch more. Those are all good ones. But it's next weekend too soon. Nah, First weekend I mean, of November people, for Christmas movies. No, please. I mean, they started selling Christmas trees in July. <laughs> I think a, you could show uh, Elf in, the, in November, <laughs> at the beginning of November. Hit us up on social media. Is the first weekend of November a time when you start getting into the Christmas spirit? Are you ready to watch Christmas movies that first weekend after Thanksgiving? At Hammer and Nigel. And we're back. Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIPC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there. We have a very special guest in the studio. Senator Mike Braun joining us. Senator, Senator how are you? Yeah, I'm good. Good to be back here again. So Went what brings ago. you uh, to our neck of the woods here? Well, we're into, uh, what, two weeks before the uh, midterms, and uh, Schumer sent us home in late September. And uh, for me, uh, not in cycle. So 
I've been kind of traveling, finished the last of my 92 counties I visit in the combine right. in Spencer County. You were down, the last ago. time you were here, you were visiting all 92 counties. Yeah, and then uh, finished that off here just a couple weeks ago. And we've got a lot of critical races out there. I'm going to help in some of them. Just spent an hour and a half with uh, Cindy Carrasco, a great wow. candidate. Yeah. Uh, and man, if there's a race we need to win, that is one. Talk about how right important here. that race is here for people, residents in Marion County and victims of crime in Marion County, because it has skyrocketed here in the city and you know, the GOP uh, uh, running for prosecutor, Cindy Carrasco against Mears. Well, I can relate to it mostly uh, by the fact that I would get here occasionally before I became a state legislator in 2015. And that is just when I started to see kind of downtown turn in a different direction. Uh, otherwise, it would have been visiting, which was a wonderful place, family and everybody to sure. come here. And uh, 15, 16, and 17, you could see the difference between here and going back to the Capitol. I was here probably a couple, three months ago for the first time in a while in the middle of the day and sidestepping, you know, folks sure. uh, between uh, Monument Circle and the Capitol. And then look at the summer of 2020 uh, that gets dismissed across the country. And it's reached a level where who knows who's going to renew a lease down here. Do families feel safe coming downtown? And that race, when you got a guy like Mears that seems to be uh, missing in action at the job, uh, you'd think would be hard to win. But I think she is neck and neck. Uh, the resources uh, are a good indicator. She got a lot of money last month, a lot of she has, fundraising. And I think that's because people are making that calculation. If and that it's not just all Republicans, too, that are putting money in. Because, listen, Democrats here on Monument Circle, they don't want their windows broken out. Nobody does. Nobody wants that kind of city when you know what it was like. And that kind of thing, I think, is happening across the country. We've got it right here. Uh, you got an even larger race that I think is interesting. Uh, Jennifer Ruth Green. I'm going to end up there late in the week stumping for her. Yeah. Kind of candidate we need, any party needs. That's uh, uh, got a military background. Uh, a great record. That thing is in play. And uh, and what's happened to her over the last couple of weeks with this ridiculous act from yep. Politico and what her opponent has denied doing, but let's be honest, his fingerprints are all over this thing, outing her as a victim of sexual assault when she clearly did not want this to happen. Look, I get, you know, politics is competitive, but there's a line and that was gross. It was gross, and uh, of course, I experienced that when I was uh, after I won the primary. The wrath of Chuck Schumer and George Soros descended upon this race and um, the Missouri race. Those were the two races back in 2018 that if we didn't get them, it was going to be a bad night for Republicans. And of course, never ahead in a public opinion poll, you win by six points. They spend. 20, 30 million dollars on negative advertising stuff they make up. Hell, I grew up in Mayberry RFD. You had to make it up, but it still happens. And like what happened to her in that district means it's getting close because you're going to have to contend with it. If you don't have thick skin getting into this business, you're going to develop it quickly. And that's just another example of it. But here in Marion County, 
in our state capital, things need to turn around. And I've been able to see it. Like I say, when I started noticing it back seven, eight years ago, it's gotten to the point where this is what needs to turn. And then some of the other offices, the people that have been running the business of Indianapolis, those need to be in play as well for the same reason. Why should somebody who doesn't live in Marion County care about what happens in Marion County? Well, because it's a centerpiece of our state. Uh, Indianapolis is our state capital. And uh, it was a place that I think through investment, uh, through prior administrations, it had reached a point where families felt safe here. People came here as a destination. And I think that hit its low point in recent times here back in 2020. And we got to figure out how to get away from it, start doing the job that a prosecutor needs to do to build up confidence that it's a place that people want to visit again and invest in. Can the state do well financially if Indianapolis starts to regress? I think that begs an interesting question because it's just here a couple blocks away. And I don't think you can be kind of detached from the situation. And I think you probably got to start looking. If it's not getting done by the folks that are in charge of it, the prosecutor's office, the mayor's office, you need to at least raise the issue to see what that interplay would be. Let me uh, expand on uh, Hammer's question there um, a little bit, because I think uh, here in Indiana, I think Todd Young has has his race locked up. But why should people in Indiana be paying attention to some of these other highly contested races for Senate? Pennsylvania, it's Fetterman and Oz, uh, Georgia with Warnock and and Herschel Walker. Walker. Um, um, I mean, those those are important races that we as Hoosiers should be paying close attention to as well. There's no doubt about it, whether it's city government in your state capital and the juxtaposition to state government when you're wondering who's going to take care of a problem, yeah. it's no different. I mean, I've been employed by the federal government and watching that up close like I do and have done for four years, coming from a background of being a Main Street entrepreneur where you don't have any of the latitude of not making ends meet. You got to do things that work better and that impacts us here. I don't think it'll ever swamp us. I don't think it'll ever be the overwhelming factor, but it's an aggravating factor. And if you don't get that in line, you're going to have to contend with more of what you've all witnessed and talked about and what I've been deeply involved with the last four years. So yes, there are 10 to 12 Senate races that are so close and if we as Republicans, I think last time I was on, can't make that case, can't articulate it with the platter of opportunity from the border to crime in our cities, which we talked about, uh, borrowing from our kids and grandkids for your latest and greatest idea uh, at the federal level when we knock nothing out of the park to mm -hmm. begin with, uh, it does sooner or later impact even places like indiana that are run well did you get a chance to watch the debate or highlights i guess of fetterman against oz because i watched the whole thing i sat home and streamed the whole thing and i'm on a text thread with nigel and our bosses and i told them fetterman is not well this is a guy that they told us he was fine his doctor cleared him his doctor also donates to his campaign, but that's different. Uh, but they cleared him, and he's clearly not well. Does it make me a bad guy, Senator, because I don't think he's up for the job? I don't think he's physically capable of doing the job. But when I say that out loud, I've got people calling me an ableist or some sort of ist. 
I just saw that term the other day, and uh, it's funny how terms like that come up whenever you're just kind of giving a different point of view. Uh, yeah. But let's put it this way. We are the board of directors of the biggest business in the world, the U.S. Senate. There are a hundred of us, and everyone's going to bring a little different background into it. But if you are going to really do what the citizens that are going to elect you want you to do, you got to be a full faculty. Uh, you got to be fully engaged. And let's put that aside. Let's look at the fact that his policies are a mirror of yes. those of Bernie Sanders. Right. I'm on the budget committee, which has kind of turned into the most useless appendage in the U.S. Senate. It should be the most important thing, but we don't do that anymore. We've kind of got the political enterprisers running the show out there where you don't look at what might need more funding or less. Any business doesn't necessarily spend more. How often do you roll your eyes on that committee when they come out there with some plan of some ridiculous thing? <laughs> like, how long does it take you to just kind of roll your eyes, exhale? and? Well, Bernie has had more budget meetings than we had the first two years I was there. But it has not been on the subject of any of the mechanics of a budget. It's been on one woke topic after another. And even the issues that they identify as being important, I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just don't think you double down, borrow more and more money, $18 trillion in debt. When I got there, we're now $31 trillion, and they're trying to sell us more of that. You can't, that is so simple to say that that isn't working. And look what they've done in just two years to take the best economy we had pre-COVID to turn it into this mess. Is this I why, do roll my eyes all the time. <laughs> is this why people say that you can't change the swamp? Because everybody goes to Washington and they say, I'm going to change things, but they get there and they understand how swampy some of these monsters are because you're outnumbered uh the senate goes to the tie break and that doesn't go your way you're outnumbered in the house it's basically just party lines here and, and not only that but bernie sanders I, I swear to god he used to be against illegal immigration he's on record as saying no this is bad for the country bringing in illegal immigrants is lowering wages for american workers and that i think just kind of adds to your point of you're if you're a, you're in the swamp your lifer and you're gonna go with whichever way the wind blows and that one thing right there means that you're generally operating on a lack of principles yes. guiding you because there certainly should have been some principle in play then when he had that point of view and now you flip-flop because politically they calculate otherwise and when you get back the other point how long would it take it would take uh, i'm a term limits guy we need those more than ever. And that Democrats, independents, and Republicans believe in to the tune of about 85 to 90%. I'd even be for grandfathering the folks that need to hit the road sooner or later right. to get the system going. We need a balanced budget amendment as well. Those aren't going to happen in the near term. Uh, the wheels are going to have to fall off. It's going to have to get worse, sadly, before it gets better there until you get that kind of stuff accomplished. Can you stick around for one more segment with I us? I can, yeah. All right, because when we come back, when I get back to some Indiana stuff here, I want to talk about some things you've heard when you went county to county. And there's also the million-dollar question, what are you going to do the next time you're up for election? Do you want to continue? Do you want to run for governor? We're going to get to all of those things with Senator Mike Braun when we 
we come back, don't go anywhere. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Senator Mike Braun joining us in studio. So what is next for you? Do you want to run for re-election in the Senate? Do you want to be the governor of Indiana? I've heard both. So when I decided, um, kind of out of frustration, looking at our state, which has run well, uh, we believe in balanced budgets, rainy day funds, uh, room for improvement. I think there's a lot of things we could do with that strength and make our state even better. We talked a little bit about here in our own state capital. When I decided to uh, not run for a third term as a state legislator, that would have been running for re-election again in 18, uh, I was uh, not sure what I was going to do. A lot of times you go back to your business, uh, like the founders did. They went back to the farm Mm -hmm. or their business, and that's the way it should be. Uh, The federal government needs term limits, and it needs the balanced budget amendment. And that's not going to happen. I'm going to still talk about it. So I got to calculate, is it worth spending six more years doing that? Or do you want to come back where you can have, I think, real impact? Uh, I'm most proud of the fact that I took a little business, and uh, I don't even use the word CEO because I turned the lights on and off for nearly 20 years of those 37 years. So, And that's making a living. In most small businesses, that's where people are making a living, as well as maybe building it into something someday. So um, I am going to make that uh announcement publicly on the hammer and nigel show well uh, i'll consider that uh <laughs> and i'm gonna do it here sooner rather than later really? so yep uh, and uh i'm calculating that in a way that uh, with the tutorial of a school board for 10 years I, that was the first thing i did that call came from my wife and she did the political pivot before i could maneuver well maybe my husband would be interested and we were in a rural township not dealing with the critical race theory and masking kids, uh, but even in places like where I come from, things can get out of kilter. Did that for 10 years. Uh, Got the call from our state representative then when he decided to run for Senate if I'd consider running for state legislature and did. So uh, for me, I still feel like I'm... uh, in my 40s or 50s, not the case. Again, yeah, look good. What I'm going to do, You're I the most in-shape person in this room. <laughs> well, thank now, you. That's also Is like that being the valedictorian of summer school, but congratulations <laughs> to you. We've got so, about 90 seconds left, Senator. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm leaning uh, in a direction where I can have more impact. And uh, like I say, I'll make that decision uh, public in here in about a month or so. Um, uh, and you're feeling on the midterms coming up here in in, in a week. Do the GOP uh, obviously uh, the House is available for taking? Um, what do you think about the Senate and the GOP? I think we're going to win the House with some ease, and if that is with great ease, we're going to pick up one, two, or three Senate seats. And uh, we win the House, we put a tourniquet on craziness. No more political enterprising by passing laws. If we get the Senate back, we'll get in the business of making sure a candidate for a cabinet position or the judiciary has to be approved by us. The big issue is what do we do in 2024? And I'm one that believes we got to be for something. You can't tell the American public, I'll tell you after I'm elected. And that is where I disagree with current leadership. Maybe McCarthy is going to do that in the House. But independents elect the swing state senators and the president. And they're hugging us now, mostly. Uh, They're driving to fill their gas tank up every week or so. 
that's going to be a big indicator. So we are going to stop the craziness. We got to communicate to the American public between now and 2024 so that we get it back along with both chambers before we can change anything or undo it. Senator Mike Braun, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Senator. My pleasure. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! Yeah, my name is Nigel. Hammer's here. Let's not waste any time. Can we get right into it, Mondo? Let's do it. Let's, let's go. do some midterm stuff. Polling. Debates. Fetterman. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. <laughs> midterm stuff. Dateline New York. They've got a uh, big midterm race for the governor taking place right now. Yeah, Zeldin and uh, the unelected uh, incumbent Hochul. So Kathy Hochul, she loves a good old-fashioned mask. She loves oh. putting masks on kids. Mondo, do we have some mood music? Return of the mask. Who are you? Return of the mask. She's a flu. Return of the mask. We know just what to do. Nige, I'm old enough to remember when Joe Biden said the pandemic was over. Oh, yeah. And then he shows up on TV, gets his, like, 10th COVID booster, and uh, <laughs> Walensky gets her 10th, and then she gets COVID two weeks later. And, oh, yeah, I, I know. So, what, so, what, so, so wait a minute. So, Kathy Hochul is talking about masks again? Kathy Hochul wants New York parents to really consider putting masks back on their kids. You know, it's hard to keep kids safe. You know, the, think about the fact that a year ago, you know, before a year ago, we, a lot of kids were wearing masks in a daycare center or in schools, and that did per- give them some level of protection. We're not mandating this, but we're saying parents, you know, you got other kids, you got kids in school, preschool, and you got a baby at home. You really might just want to take these extra precautions. And by now, kids are more socialized to the idea of wearing a mask. It's not as strange to them. It's not as like, what is this all about? There's really cute masks out there. I've seen a lot of them. Uh, so. That's something I'm encouraging all parents to consider for their children right now. Except they don't work. Right. Kids don't need them. And kids aren't affected by COVID nearly as bad as, say, an elderly person with five comorbidities. Those cute little masks that you got that were probably made in China with your favorite cartoon (laughs) character or your favorite sports team on it, worthless. I mean, you have to remember, Kathy Hochul is the one that said uh, Jesus wanted you to get the vaccine. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I forgot about that. We're well past Jesus take the wheel. (laughs) We're now into the phase of Jesus wants you to take the vaccine. Wow. Uh, So doubling down on that, I I, I was stunned. You know, it's, it's so funny. I remember I desperately wanting the masks to come off my kids for school. I live in Zionsville, um, and it seemed like I didn't know back in the day. I didn't know that some of the donut counties further out, like Plainfield, for example, um, some of those, some of those schools, uh, rural schools, never even wore the masks. Did you know that? Like, and so that, so that, so that, when I learned that finally, I was like, this is ridiculous. Get them off. It is hindering their ability to learn, it is hindering their ability to communicate. And if you and, want to make it I, optional, make it optional. I, I'm not saying that, uh, look, the, the Zionsville administration, they got the kids back to school in August. I thought they could have gone back earlier. They did in you know in 2020, they were back, but they were heavily masked and the, the social distancing guidelines were ridiculous. Uh, but I, you know, I just, I kind of slowly learned that a lot of these rural, smaller towns and schools didn't have any of the things that we were doing and they were fine. Of course they were. 
Of course they were. And look, if you are somebody that for your own mental well-being, you want to wear a mask, listen, we can disagree on the efficacy all you want. But if you really are somebody that wants to wear a mask, go ahead. Be my guest. You can wear two if you want, but don't make these things required. For the kids that want to go to school and have an everyday real learning experience where it's not just educational, but it's social as well. The social aspect can't be ignored here. You know, just let him go. You know, the other thing that Kathy Hochul said during that debate with Zeldin in terms of a vaccine mandate for kids, you know, the CDC recently uh, added COVID-19 vaccines to their schedule of recommended vaccines, which doesn't necessarily mean that a a school is going to put it on their um, vaccine requirement list. But she's quoted as saying, I'm not going to do that at this time. There you go. She added, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, what she said is, I'm not, uh, I would not implement them, dot, 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 at this time. So let's move on to Pennsylvania. Yeah. Let's talk about Fetterman. The Eagles! (laughs) Now, we're not saying that the national media is trying to save Fetterman, but (laughs) you've got butt sniffer Lawrence O'Donnell of MSNBC (laughs) comparing Fetterman's effort in that debate to FDR in wartime. Got knocked down. That needs to get back up. While he was brilliantly winning World War II, (laughs) Franklin Roosevelt once fell asleep in the Oval Office in the middle of signing his name to a letter. That was not painful to watch because no one got to see that. And he goes on to compare Winston Churchill to Fetterman. How some great leaders, they're not always easy to watch, but they get the job done. Churchill was a drunk. (laughs) And Nigel knows what he's talking about. I I know a drunk when I see it. But he was able to function. He was a functioning drunk. Functioning much better than Fetterman. Right. I'll take three sheets to the wind, Winston Churchill, every single day of the week. Um, Which really just brings us to the point of how much of a hack Lawrence O'Donnell is. Here's great moments in Lawrence O'Donnell history. This was the election night when Donald Trump won. America is crying tonight. I'm not sure how much of America, but a very, very significant portion. And I mean literally crying. America is crying tonight. Okay. What about the other half of America? What what were they doing, Larry? What about all the people that voted for Donald Trump to win? Last time I checked, that was the majority. That's how this thing kind of plays out, right? He had more electoral votes. He won more states. I don't know how many people were crying. Um, Great moments in Lawrence O'Donnell history. We can't talk about this without this great behind-the-scenes moment. Stop the hammering! (laughs) Oh, Phil Griffin, I don't care who the you have to call. Stop the hammering. The woman talking in my ear was talking about the Labor Day special. (laughs) Great moments in Lawrence O'Donnell history. Oh, man. I had to tell you, like, if you're a Pennsylvania Democrat, like a blue-collar Democrat, and you just want a candidate that you can rely on, and this is who they put out there for you, are you offended? <laughs> like, like, no, no, no. I don't want some empty vessel that's just going to pull the lever for Chuck Schumer. I, I want somebody that's going to be able to answer questions and communicate clearly to me why they're making the decisions that they are. 
And that's not what Fetterman is. And it just feels like they're putting a, a, a again, I said it, a, a, just an empty vessel, a prop, a, a place kicker, if you will. But look who the president a, 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 is. That's a prop, too. I swear dude. to God, they just put a big shot in his backside, prop him up there. They move, they put like peanut butter on his lips, like they used to do Mr. Ed, and he talks. <laughs> and that's, that's how, how the presidency's that's how, working. That's how, they, that's how they got Mr. Ed to look like he was talking. Yes. <laughs> That's what they do to Joe Biden right now. Oh man, maybe if Biden makes an appearance tonight at the WIB at a night with WIBC, we can make that happen. <laughs> um, on the subject of smug MSNBC hosts, listen to this latte liberal turd that they propped up there on their panel because they're talking about the state of Georgia. <laughs> Georgia's got a key Senate race going on right now. And some folks in Georgia said they're concerned about what's happening in the border. Well, to this guy, to Captain Lib here, that seems like something that's ridiculous and far-fetched. So that very dangerous border with Tennessee that, that has the very... The Chattanooga right all, there. They all, did. The, all, the, all the Mexican um, uh, illegal immigrants coming across. Yeah, the they, did, they, did, they, they did understand that they were not on the border, but that they still felt that the border was that 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 the border was impacting them. They're concerned about Tennessee crossing the border. About? No, you maybe be- they're concerned about outrageous amounts of drugs flowing into their community that come from the border. I mean, if you've lost anybody you love to a fentanyl overdose, guess where that probably came from? Exactly. Um, meanwhile, on CNN. This was pretty good. You had Republican contributor Scott Jennings against former Obama campaign manager Jim Messina. Now, the subject was, is the GOP having success with Latino voters in Arizona? There is a clear movement in the polling and in some of the races that have already occurred this year of Hispanic voters choosing Republicans. That's an absolute fact. So, clear major- so they're winning a majority? No, I said, voters? I said there's a movement towards Republicans, not a majority. I said there's a movement beyond what we normally get. Come on, man. You, are you disagreeing? It is a, it is a fact no, that Republicans have done better with Hispanics. In, in Arizona, really? So I you've th- lost every statewide race in the past five years, and you're doing better with Latino voters? Scott, come on, enough with the talking I, I feel, I feel like I feel like your debate with are, Carl are, Rove that are, you are had we, before you came here, like your ears are clogged. No, I, I'm, I'm telling you. I'm concerned that the RNC gave you the talking points, and now you can't shift. I tell you what, man, do you have a single friend? Guys, guys. Well, guys. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't come on here and read talking points. You know me, and you know me, and you. I don't come on here and read talking. I, I don't even know but, you, and you come out here and insult me. But the ad hominem. That was fun. Do you have a single friend? God, this guy's a jerk. <laughs> that was so good. You, know, you look what's happening in Florida. A Telemundo poll just surveyed uh, a bunch of registered Hispanic voters said they would vote. Fifty-one uh, percent said DeSantis, compared to forty-four percent for uh, Christ for governor in Florida. So I mean, if it's if one thing's true in Florida, I mean, it, it's 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 not just like an anomaly. I feel like uh, what's happening here, and I think there is going to be a red tidal wave here in a week or two. Hammer and Nigel presents. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? Yeah, Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You will break down all the information and tell us if those stories are anything or not. All right. So last week, a man broke into a Billings, Montana radio station. It was on the top of the 23rd floor of this building, and they found the uh, station vehicle keys and stole the car. 
Now, the car was pretty easy to find. It had mixed 97 on it, and it was bright pink. Police found it and arrested the guy. Here is a couple radio employees talking about what happened. Montana's dumbest criminal because he decided to not only rob a radio station, but for whatever reason, he decided to steal a bright pink and white Kia belonging to Mix 97.1. We're going to notice the bright pink car gone. I'm just glad none of us were here when he was here. Yeah, that's something, and I'll tell you, we had some similar happen to, um, well, my family didn't have anything to do with the radio station. My old man and uh, my mom, he's taking her to dinner, like this is in the mid-90s down here at St. Elmo's, and he had a, uh, he had like a pimped out Hummer. Not like a, like not like one of those H3s, but like a military Hummer that he had painted like a cherry red with rims, tricked it out with a huge sound system in it and stuff. Pretty distinctive. It was, yeah, it was pretty noticeable. <laughs> and so they uh, were waiting they were done with dinner and they the the valet went to go get it some guy hopped in and drove off <laughs> and stole it yeah i think the manager the owner had to take him back out to uh, lisden they eventually found it a day or two later but they couldn't find it that night even though it was a pretty distinct like you said a distinct very memorable noticeable uh, vehicle i mean it's a big bastard too was and it they, stripped out when yeah, you it found, they it? found it it was all stripped out yeah okay. all of it all the equipment all the, the you know the rims and stuff were all all gone but uh yeah not a very smart criminal for sure <laughs> is this anything uh <laughs> we made a quick supercut of nbc affiliate uh traffic reporter in philadelphia her name is sheila watko during her entire traffic report she was dropping the names of the songs of Taylor Swift's new album. Her new album's called Midnights. Here is this traffic reporter named Sheila in Philly. Right now, there's no snow on the beach. I'm the traffic anti-hero, so let's take a look at 95. Sweet nothing in both directions. This is our karma for dealing with that earlier construction on 95 and Delco. And if we take a wide look at the area, you're going to see that most of our map is actually bejeweled, looking so red, it'll almost be maroon. A lot of traffic right around the stadiums. It'll be like a labyrinth in this area. Also, our transportation vigilante, SEPTA. I am in a lavender haze today because the mastermind Taylor Swift, she released Midnight. You know what? If you didn't know anything about Taylor Swift or that she released an album, you would have thought that was Fetterman giving the weather report. <laughs> she said a bunch of random things. Yeah, it's no snow on the beach, anti-hero, and uh, down to the Sweet Nothing Boulevard to Carmen Bejewel. I don't know what she was talking Lavender about. Lavender Haze. <laughs> Those are all names of the Taylor. Kyle, have you downloaded the Taylor Swift? You're a Taylor Swift. Uh, Not yet. Swift, I'm uh, slacking, so sorry, uh, Taylor. Yeah, I, I saw a headline recently that the, the new... Uh, album Midnight's, uh, she's gone political. Oh, fantastic. Because that worked out so well for her the last time she got political. It was, yes, in 2018, she endorsed, uh, what was it, Bredesen. Uh, the Tennessee governor, uh, governor, governor over uh, over Blackburn, and Blackburn ran away with it. <laughs> Once Taylor made it official of what yeah. her endorsement was, the approval numbers of Blackburn went through the roof. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and listen, Give me Matt Bear doing Smokey and the Bandit traffic every single day yeah. over this hack yeah, right that here. Was awful. Is this anything? 
A coal miner received some attention at a uh, University of Kentucky basketball game. Oh, I saw this, yeah. So my man was covered face to toe in coal and soot and all that kind of stuff. But his son loves Kentucky basketball. So they went to this like event that Kentucky basketball yeah. was doing. So his son's there and he's got the full uniform on, like the coal workers uniform. He's filthy. And Coach Calipari noticed that and said, you know what? My family used to uh, have a coal mining history. We're going to hook this guy up with some tickets and a VIP treatment to a game. I've done some things that have been fulfilling for my wife and I. But this, you're bringing light to a good man, a hardworking Kentuckian, a coal miner who does everything he can to make time for his family and his son and his daughter. Come on. That's what it ends up being. That's the story. It's an amazing photo. Calipari's awesome. It almost makes me choked up looking at this photo because his little boy is so excited. Probably loves his old man. Looks up to his old man, and and he did. Yeah, the guy just literally looked like he stepped out of a coal mine. How do you think a coal miner would look stepping out of a, of a big giant cave or whatever? That's the way this guy looks. He had to rush over to the event. And by the way, this guy better start learning how to code because Joe Biden doesn't like you coal miners. Too no, well. no. And damn it for Calipari for doing this. Yeah, I know. Because I want to hate him. <laughs> right? You're the Kentucky no. coach. You're scared to play at Assembly Hall, right. allegedly. I want to hate the dude, <laughs> but that's such an awesome thing to do at the same time. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. All right. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Chris Davis, uh, WIBC News Director, joining us live in studio. The uh, newsroom has a uh, pretty cool special airing tonight right after the show at 7 o'clock. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, uh, we are going to be delving into the dark. Oh, Nigel's underpants. Oh, <laughs> I'm not wearing any underpants. It doesn't make any ah. sense. I had no idea when I came in here today I was going to find out something commando. Uh, This show tonight is called Indiana's Unexplained, the Ongoing Search for Truth. So in my mind, you're going full X-Files, right? You're knocking on doors. You're doing seances. You're doing all the things, right? Yeah, and this thing is not silly. You know, it's not, I'm not trying to insult Sammy Terry here, but it's not a Sammy Terry type thing. This is uh, an actual, you know, journalistic look into these things. So, for instance, when we talk about possessions and hauntings, uh, we interview the exorcist for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And How uh, much does an exorcist bring down these days? Like, are, are you the official exorcist of the Archdiocese if you get that job, or do they have, like, independent contractors that come out? You know, the, I think he's official. Uh, he went to the Vatican. He sat in on 40 exorcisms over there. Wow. And he's done 20 since he's been here in central Indiana. That's amazing. I would love to watch one of those. I got to be honest. I think it'd be fascinating. I would not want to be anywhere uh, around. No that. way. I mean, hey, look, I've seen the movie. I don't want anything to do with any of that, <laughs> that green pea soup being spit all over. It me. Is but this is, I understand this is a this is a, a legitimate. I mean, first of all, the UFOs and, and stuff like that, too, have been in the national news as of late uh, uh, recent years. Yes. In fact, uh, Congressman Andre Carson was uh, the leader of a hearing. That's right. Back in May on disclosure. So there are people who want to know what the government knows everything the government knows and uh, we speak with an expert who says the government will never tell you exactly what they know and that uh, this effort that they're uh, that they're putting out now is kind of lip service so this special that you have on tonight it kind of covers a lot of ground but it focuses on indiana right yes it does focus on indiana for instance uh, we talk with the indiana bigfoot research organization head 
He lives down in Martinsville. He talks about some Bigfoot experiences here in Indiana. You may be surprised to find out that they happen all over the state here. It's not confined to places like British Columbia or Oregon. Like actual, like legitimate, I'm calling the authorities. I think I saw Bigfoot. There's a Sasquatch running around here somewhere. Well, you have to ask yourself, who is the official investigator of Sasquatch? There's no real official investigator of these things so uh, investigation police police aren't taking their time investigating these kinds of things i don't think they they are so investigations have to depend on people who go around and do this what i think is interesting and again i haven't heard the special i'm excited to listen to it because i love these news specials that you guys do you do these specials periodically where all the newsroom members they're crunching research they're doing things i think these things are great um I DJ'd a wedding where the old central state was because now it's like an event center. And I've DJ'd a couple events where the old central state mental hospital used to be. Every time I go over there, there's always somebody that says, oh, I hear that's haunted. I hear that late at night, you hear all the screams. Like that's one of the places that I've heard is haunted. Tonight, are we going to hear about others? Now, you might be interested to know that tonight uh, you're going to hear from some people who actually do paranormal investigations and ghost tours here in Indianapolis. So you will be hearing about others. Um, There are some places that are considered extremely haunted or possessed, uh, whichever one you prefer to believe, here in Indiana. One is called called Willow's Weep. That is in Cayuga, Indiana, uh, north of Terre Haute on the Illinois border. border. Uh, that is considered one of the most haunted places in America. That Why? house. It's in the, it was built in the shape of an upside-down cross. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, yeah, that just gave me chills. <laughs> I mean, like, I look, I'm not really generally somebody that believes in this sort of thing, but I, the exorcist that you spoke with alone has me has me intrigued. Well, let I mean, me tell you, I sacrificed many nights of sleep doing this. Really? It, it, like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, because it freaked you out? Yeah, it freaked me out. I mean, when you hear about that, even if you're not a believer at all in the supernatural, and because I believe in, in God and angels, I also believe that there have to be, you know, the the opposite. Yeah. Uh, Demons. Even if you don't believe that and you listen to what this priest says and you listen to some of these uh, things that have happened here in Indiana, uh, you will be freaked out enough to lose sleep. Now, did Lucas Oil Stadium make the list? Because it feels like that joint's been haunted ever since Andrew Luck got injured and never came back. It's been one ghost after another trying to play the quarterback for the Colts. Did that make the list at all? Well, the thing about it is it will be haunted until it's paid off. <laughs> That's true. That's it. So, but this isn't like rehashed old tells that have been floating around forever here right i mean this is this is all new stuff many different perspectives and and things like that i can't say it's all new because there are some things that are just too good not to revisit such as the house of 200 demons in gary uh that has been on zach bagan's show but at the same time we talk about why zach bagan's bought it and then instead of making money off of it had it demolished who's zach bagan he is a guy who has a uh, a ghost program. I, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Uh, maybe it's American Ghost Stories, something like that. And he's got a museum in Vegas, a haunting museum. Interesting. All right, so 7 yeah. o'clock tonight. And for those who can't listen to it, will this be posted online? Uh, this will be posted online next week.
All right. Chris Davis, news director, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Looking forward to this. But Can't wait I've, to hear it. I've always said, I'm not scared of the devil because anybody that loses a fiddle contest to a hillbilly in Georgia <laughs> doesn't warrant fear from me. Okay. If the hillbilly in Georgia beats him in a fiddle contest, right. I'm not scared of him at all. You go. You do you, dude. Um, <laughs> so there was a story going around of this teenager who shot video of herself covering up her eyes as her dad surprises her with a cake. Okay. Now, you're going to be just as surprised as her when she reads what's written in the frosting. Now, keep in mind, she's a teenager. Is it alive? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No! 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 Is this yippee for your hickey? No! (laughs) Yippee for your hickey? Celebrating her first hickey. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I, 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 it just, it just makes me cringe because I have a little daughter. I, I just, I, I can't imagine the day when I, uh, when I come home from work, uh, and you know, she's at that age and she's got a boyfriend and she's covering her neck up with scarves. Oh, it's coming. And I'm like, come on. I'm going to go crazy. I am that dad. Get with her the, a cake. With yippee the, for yeah. the hickey. Is this <laughs> yippee for your hickey? No! <laughs> How mortified and embarrassing does she have to be for that? Oh, that's so good. At least a dad has a good sense of humor about it. I'm I'm making a fist. I'm polishing my shotgun. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to be Clint Eastwood sitting on the porch like in Grand Torino. <laughs> <laughs> so I know how guys are. Sorry. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. There was a negative ad we were watching earlier. I, I couldn't, I'd looked up there. It was like some grainy video of some woman. <laughs> she donated to Biden. There was like blood dripping from the screen. <laughs> uh, there's so many of these campaign ads right now with the midterms coming up. They're so, f- and it's, they're funny sometimes. Every attack ad that really gets to me is like a black and white grainy photo and it's slow motion of somebody leaving and turning their head. <laughs> Like every time. Like Bigfoot. Right. Like the iconic Bigfoot walk with the arms are out, <laughs> slowly turning their head. Can you trust this person? Well, and I mean, not only that, but the 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 campaign ads for people that are running for office, like Kemp's last campaign ad in Georgia, <laughs> where, where one of the things was, I got me a big truck so I can go round up some illegals. <laughs> got a gun rack in the back. And that was his legitimate campaign ad. And he won. And he won. He beat Stacey Abrams. He beat Stacey Abrams with that. He's about to do it again. Stacey Abrams still hasn't conceded. So I got to thinking, what would it sound like if the founding fathers did negative attack ads, like if they were running for office? So this is what it would sound like, like if Thomas Jefferson were running an anti, you know, uh, John Adams ad here. All right. John Adams is a blind, bald, crippled, toothless man who wants to start a war with France. While he's not busy importing mistresses from Europe, he's trying to marry one of his sons to a daughter of King George. Haven't we had enough monarchy in America? I'm Thomas Jefferson. I approve this message because John Adams is a hideous, hermaphroditical character with neither the force and firmness of a man nor the gentleness and sensibility of a woman. Like, I would have loved to have been around for 
you know, founding father attack ads. Oh, wow. Because you know that John Adams couldn't just sit around and let that happen. If Thomas Jefferson wins, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. The air will be rent with the cries of the distressed. The soil will be soaked with blood and the nation black with crimes. Are you prepared to see your dwellings in flames? Female chastity violated? Children writhing on a pike? Good Lord. I'm John Adams, and I approve this message. See, I could see these two going at it because they didn't really like each other, but so, they ultimately became friends toward the end. Sounds like a haunted house ad. <laughs> I think this was in Arizona. Uh, a couple of years ago, there was some woman who had a bunch of money laying around. She happened to be rich, and she bought airtime on local TV and radio yes. stations, basically saying, hey, I'm tired of attack ads. I'm Linda Messmer. I'm not a politician. I'm not running for any office. I'm a proud American citizen, and I voted in every election since I've been old enough to vote. I try to be an informed voter by reading about and listening to the candidates. I am sick and tired of being bombarded with all the negative, hateful, mean-spirited ads. To all the candidates who are running these kinds of ads, I say, stop it. <laughs> I'm Linda Mesmer, and I approve this message. Everybody's grandma right there. Stop I will it. follow Linda Mesmer wherever she wants to lead. <laughs> I got that. She got money laying around. She bought advertising time to say, knock that crap off. <laughs> I love that. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> um, so here at the Hammer and Nigel show, we're going to get in the spirit. I mean, it's midterms. It's Halloween. Yeah. How do we combine the two? So here's a good old fashioned attack ad on Halloween. Oh. October 31st, vote no on Halloween. <laughs> Halloween supports dangerous roving gangs of children going door to door to get their fix. When it comes to health care, <laughs> Halloween doesn't care. Under Halloween, tooth decay rates have doubled and instances of child obesity have skyrocketed. Halloween is deceptive. Sure, it may look like a sexy firefighter, but don't count on Halloween if your house is burning down. And Halloween is not a legal holiday. If Halloween had its choice, it would allow for more illegal holidays to invade and take over your calendar. Don't be tricked. Halloween is no treat. This October 31st, vote no on Halloween. Paid for by Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, when we inevitably get fired by our new bosses at Radio 1, somebody needs to hire us just to sit back and write negative campaign uh, ads. We could do that all day. All day long. Yeah. We're here for that. Uh, coming up next, uh, one of the great follows on Twitter, Greg Price. Uh, we retweet him from time to time. He is a fun follow. We're going to talk to him about what we're seeing with the midterm races. What's going on with Fetterman? This bullcrap that's happening to this veteran that's running for office in northern Indiana where Politico basically outed her as being a victim of sexual assault. All of that's coming up next. We'll chat with Greg Price. We've got Rob Kendall ready to go off the rails. Right. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock my name is Nigel, Jason Hammer, right over there with a very special guest in the DriveHubler.com hotline. He is the senior digital strategist for X Strategies on Twitter, at X Strategies LLC. A great follow individually on Twitter. 
Greg Price joins us right now. Greg, we got a lot of stuff that we could get into here, uh, but let's start with what I think is the biggest story in America. It's been a couple of days since this train wreck of a debate where Fetterman goes up to the podium, can't really follow along, can't really answer the questions coherently, but for some reason, we're the bad guys if you point out that this dude's not up for the job. What did you think the other night? Well, hi, and good night, everybody. <laughs> right? <laughs> Great interview. Okay, that's it. Greg Price, everybody. No, you know, so thank you for having me on. But, yeah, it was a train wreck from, like, the start. Like, I was getting ready to watch it, and I was like, okay, he has all these accommodations. How bad could this possibly be? And then he opens by wishing everyone a good night, and it did not get any better from there. But what it shows is that the, the whole strategy of their campaign was to keep this guy hidden from the public and hide the true nature of his recovery from the public because he's refusing to release his medical records. He released this quote-unquote note from his doctor that who, who also happened to be a donor to his campaign. But... As we saw last night, this guy is not, he is not healthy. He is not what these people, they're, they, they're hiding how unhealthy he is from, from the public. And keep in mind that early voting in Pennsylvania has been going on for the last month. So people, you know, millions of people have already cast a mail-in ballot in Pennsylvania and have probably already voted for, for John Fetterman. But, like, can you really watch that guy up on that stage and and think to yourself, yes, that's who I want representing me in the Senate? It's crazy. Well, that's that's my point, uh, Greg Nigel. Here, um, the Democrats. It must that just shows you what they think of their constituency. You, is that who you want represent some empty vessel that's going to vote how Chuck Schumer tells you how to vote? Uh, much less, I could care less about Fetterman, who um, is just is being propped up and uh, used as a tool for. Or possible votes if he wins the Senate. Yeah, definitely, and and and, it's, and it also shows their complete ob- obsession with abortion. Like they care so much yeah. about being able to kill more unborn babies that they're that they don't even care that this guy ha- has all these problems. Uh, you know that that's how obsessed they are with with the abortion issue. It's their religion, and they're willing to. They would elect a guy in a coma if he would vote if he would vote for abortion. And like the other thing is like what is, how. how psycho must the people around John Fetterman be yeah. and like his wife in particular like Giselle Fetterman has got to be just like the biggest psychopath in America like she's got to know her husband is not healthy he's not up for this but she's like putting him out there every day because I guess she's just like that obsessed with the fame and power of being a political wife I guess we can call that the Dr. Jill effect right Hundred um, percent. I told my wife this the other day. If I ever get to the point to where I don't make sense and you're propping me up there uh, and I'm embarrassing myself, take me off the stage, take the microphone away from me, pull the plug. But that's not what you're seeing. And something we talked about the other day, Greg, Fetterman is bad. We see it with our own eyes. They told us he was fine. How bad is Joe Biden if Fetterman is this bad and they told us that he's fine? How the hell worse is Joe Biden? Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, like, the White House at this point is just like a 24-7 nursing home. Like, imagine, like, we all see what happens when Joe Biden doesn't have the teleprompter in front of him. The, the, guy, the guy just, he says things like yesterday when he said that, fees for extra leg room on airplanes mostly affect people of color. (laughs) If you're over, if you're over six feet tall on an airplane, you're officially a person of color, but it's, and it's the same with John Fetterman. Like he, he was that much of a train wreck 
with all with the closed captioning and with all of the accommodations that were provided to him that the Oz campaign agreed to. Like, imagine how bad he is in, in just a one-on-one conversation when he doesn't have those closed captions. And like, there was an, you remember you you obviously you guys obviously remember the NBC news reporter who interviewed him. Oh yeah, who was like attacked by, like viciously by the left. Because she said that when his captions weren't turned on, that he couldn't keep a conversation. And, like, all of these journalists were attacking her, being like, no, I interviewed John Fetterman for an hour, and he sounded fine. Well, they were obviously lying. And, like, so just imagine how bad he is when he doesn't have those captions in front of him. It's probably even worse. And we're speaking with Greg Price here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. What did you think of the narrative the next day that Dr. Oz was a bully? (laughs) <laughs> oh my god these, these people are so full of crap and they, they, they will do anything for power they will say and do anything for power and say and do anything than to protect the right to kill unborn babies they do not care they would run like they, they would run like if if, if, if if there was a guy in a coma they would be coming up with like excuses for hey it's mean to attack uh, we need the first <laughs> member of the senate who, who's in a who's brain dead it's so it's so ridiculous but i think but, you know, I, I don't think people buy it because, like, obviously, obviously the lead that John Fetterman had over the summer is completely evaporated. Yes. And, you know, I grew up in the, from, like, the, my family members and a lot of my friends, who are, some of whom are rabid Democrats, but said after watching this debate that they can't vote for this guy. I don't think I don't think the people are buying what. And, like, we don't even have to imagine, like, if John Fetterman were a Republican and what they'd be saying about him, because if you remember in 2016, uh, Mark Kirk, the senator, Republican senator from Illinois, had had a stroke, and like the Chicago, even the Chicago Tribune at the time wrote an op-ed endorsing Tammy Duckworth, saying that his stroke was his recovery from a stroke was a real problem. So it's just their attacks are crazy, and I don't think it's going to work. I think Dr. Oz is going to win at the end of the day. My favorite thing that I've seen is that butt sniffer Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC comparing <laughs> Fetterman to FDR in wartime. That's where we're at right oh, now. Boy, uh, wow. Greg Price is our guest. Uh, Greg, one more thing here before we let you go. We've been talking about this story a lot here in Indy. Uh, congressional candidate Jennifer Ruth Green. She's an African American woman. She's a veteran. Uh, serving in the district up in northern Indiana, the region area, as it's known as here, and Politico and reporter Adam Wren outed the fact that she was a survivor of sexual assault against her wishes. Now, Politico says they got this from you know all the legal channels. They did everything right. Well, we found out some information yesterday that the Air Force said this was leaked to the opposition research groups uh, against Jennifer Ruth Green. I know you've been putting some things out on Twitter about this. I want to get your thoughts on this story. Well, it's completely disgusting in, in every possible way from the fact that somebody in the Air Force leaked these like incredibly personal records to an opposition research firm, which, by the way, the one there's only two that are paying the Mervan campaign on his FEC records, and one of them is the DCCCs. So we'll see We'll see if the DCCC paid for a Republican candidate's uh, sexual assault to be leaked. But between that, between Politico claim, claiming that they obtained these from a standard FOIA, which a military, a sexual assault that military superiors tried to cover up would obviously not have appeared in a standard public records request. So Politico just completely lies about this. And then you have Mervan pretending he had nothing to do with it. Which obviously, since they were leaked to an opposition research firm, I just, it's, the walls are kind of closing in on him a little on that lie. 
but it's just it, it's it's un, and it's disgusting, and it just shows how much they are terrified of Jennifer Ruth Green of the fact that this race is a toss-up, the fact that the polls have it as one of the most as one of the toughest races in America, and how there is a very real chance that she is going to flip a blue seat that Republicans haven't won in 92 years, and. You know they're get they're getting dirty. It's dirty politics at its finest. But that's what they do. They'll they'll literally they will go as far as to out a a woman as a victim of sexual assault to try and smear her as a failed military officer in order to keep power. That is that is how far they were they would go. Wow. They will also go as far as to have the black caucus campaign for the white dude she's running against so this is what we're seeing here in indiana man it's a mess hey greg thank you so much for taking the time we appreciate you joining us here in indy we'll do this again soon sometime thanks for having me guys appreciate it Jason Hammer is here with a couple of very special guests in the 93 WIBC studios. Love this. This is awesome. We've got Don Whalen and Greg Stevens here. Uh, Whalen's heroes. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, so, Don, let me start with you. I can't help but notice that your last name is Whalen. So, I'm assuming <laughs> that you're involved in this process here. Uh, tell me a little bit about what Whalen's heroes is. Um, that is correct. Whalen's heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit. It was established earlier this year to raise funds to help pay for service dogs for veterans in need. Now, Greg, your affiliation with this is what? I sit on the board. And you are a veteran, correct? Correct. Tell us about your uh, military experience. I served in the Marine Corps from 2002 to 2006. I was a rifleman, so I was in the infantry. Uh, did three deployments to Iraq, and totaling about 21 months. So how did you two get connected for this uh, cause? So somebody that Don works with, Nathan, he introduced us, and uh, they asked me to sit on the board. I was like, absolutely, it's a great cause. Well, Don, where did you get the idea to start Wayland's Heroes and um, uh, the implementation of, of using and providing service dogs for veterans? Earlier this year, I attended a continuing education class for my daytime job, real estate, and it was to teach us how to work with veterans, be a better advocate for veterans. I learned a lot about what veterans go through, um, learned a lot of things that were really disturbing, and I wanted to do what I could to help. And in talking to some veterans I know, they were talking about their service dogs and how the dogs not only helped them, but helped their family as a whole, because they were able to participate in things they weren't doing um, prior to getting the dog and having that support. So I decided this is what I could do to help not only the veteran, but their family. And Greg, take us through what it's like as a combat veteran and you come home. Uh, do, what kind of impact do the dogs and other things make? So when you come home, you go through a multitude of emotions and nobody equips you with how to handle those. You don't have the tools to process what's happened to you after being exposed to traumatic experiences. So when you get paired with a dog, like the dog can sense your anxiety and the dogs have personalities, just like a normal person would be. So they become your friend. They become part of you, part of your family, and they help you through um, the, the trauma that you're going through mentally. And <clears throat> when you have that dog there, you're no longer feel alone because you always mm. have somebody there to engage with. Can you give me a specific example of something that you went through 
that would be considered traumatic, just so our audience can kind of understand what we're talking about here? So, um, in the 21 months when I was in Iraq, I was involved in direct combat, hmm. um, IED explosions, small arms fire, uh, RPGs coming at us. Um, I mean, I witnessed so much death, I couldn't even process it at the time. And it wasn't until after I got out. Is there uh, a point to where after like the first couple times you see it, you become numb? Does that ever happen? Um, you can't react to it when you're in a situation because it's going to be happening do, so you quick. Job. Yeah. Right. It's going to um, be happening so quick around you. Uh, I actually have my own um, personal experience with my own dog. It wasn't a trauma support dog, but it was my dog. I, I was an IMPD officer. I got shot on duty, and my dog was with me there while I recouped. I was wow. never wounded in Iraq. And I had to come home to get wow. shot. Wow, that's unbelievable. <laughs> that is that is unbelievable. And when you okay, so when you when you get home, um, were you open to the idea of a um, a military service dog? Were you skeptical at all that this would work and help kind of maybe relieve some of the uh, anxieties and, and and traumatic experiences that that you witnessed? No, not at all. Because I grew up with dogs. Okay, and I know how awesome they are. So, Don, again, we're speaking with Don Whalen and Greg Stevens. Uh, Whalen's Heroes is the group. How much money does it take to come up with a service dog? I'm assuming it's something a little bit more difficult than just going down to the pound and training him a little bit. Take me through the process of what this all entails. So, we have partnered with Ultimate Canine out of Carmel. They find the dogs. They have certain breeders they work with, and they do the training. Um, depending on the breed of dog, you're looking at anywhere from twenty-one to $25,000, and that wow. includes the training. For each dog? For each dog, yes. And, and how many dogs, like throughout the course of a year, approximately, is the goal for Wayland's Heroes? Um, we are very close to being able to present our first dog, um, which I think is incredible. We just we had our first donation August 10th, um, so we are within $5,000 of that first dog. Going forward, we would like to do two to three dogs a year. Uh, Don, how did you get involved with working with the military? Because your day job is you're involved with, I believe, F.C. Tucker. Um, how did you get involved in you know, ultimately helping out folks like Greg and other military folks? I've always had a passion to help military first responders. My uncle and my grandfather were both IMPD. Um, my uncle then moved to Texas and was an officer there. My brother was in the Army. So I had all of that exposure. And for as far back as I can remember, I've always had a great respect for those people who do what they do. Because if they didn't do it, I would not be doing what I do. Um, so I was involved with a program early on that gave back to heroes, first responders, veterans, and I decided, why can I not do this and give back the way I want to give back instead of how I'm told to give back? Greg, can you take us through the similarities of being in the United States Armed Forces and being a member of IMPD? What are the similarities there? So, regardless of what trauma you experience, trauma is trauma, and you process it the exact same. It doesn't even matter if it could be a car wreck. You could have PTSD from that, so, but it's how your brain files it, and um, it comes when you're when you don't have the drive and you don't have anything to do. That's when you're alone with your thoughts, and that's when you go down the rabbit hole that you don't want to be down. 
And, and you're still an IMPD officer? I retired in 2015 officially. I know because I know the IMPD is having a tough time recruiting right now, and I know I know we're here to talk about um, um, Dawn's program, Wayland's Heroes. Um, but I'm sure you still have friends on the force, and and I'm just kind of wondering what you're thinking about recruitment, um, retaining and acquiring talent for the IMPD, which there's a real need right now for that too. There is a real need, and you're you're not finding people that want to do the job anymore. So they're. There's some type of balance that they need to find. And there's a lot of reasons for that, and we can get into that, and we have gotten into that uh, on other shows. Dawn, what kind of feedback have you received from veterans? Um, The veterans I've talked to have felt that this is incredible. Um, They can't believe that a civilian would try and do this for them. Speaking just from what I've seen, and I'm sure Greg can probably speak to this as well, I don't feel the veterans, our military at all, gets the support they need or they should have. So the veterans I know have been very appreciative that someone's wanting to do something for them. Greg, this is something Nigel and I talk about a lot. And tell me if you agree or disagree. You scroll through social media, you see blue checkmark Twitter, you listen to some of these cable news shows, and they're against the police they're against the military they say all these things but i think once you get out of social media because we say this all the time social media is not real life not at all once you start talking to -to day-to-day people i don't think people understand how many people do support the military the first responders the police officers the firefighters i think there are so many people that support but they don't go on twitter they don't have a blue check mark next to their name do you see what i'm saying i agree because when you, when you actually have a face-to-face conversation with somebody, they support the police. They support the military. It's the small few that make the biggest amount of noise that you see. Exactly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to put uh, your information up on the Hammer and Nigel Show social media, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. If somebody wants to make a donation, how do they do that, Don? They can go to waylandsheroes.com. They can donate on that page. There's also an online store if they want to buy um, T-shirts, coffee mugs, long sleeve, short sleeve t-shirts. Part of this is we try to promote Red Friday, which is remembering every defender. So we have red t-shirts that have our logo on it. So if you want to be part of Red Friday, you can buy that. Um, You can always send donations. We did a 5K this year. We'll do another one next year. Um, We're in our infancy, but I think we're taking off well and we're going to have a lot to offer people. And if a veteran is listening and says, you know what, I'd kind of like to sign up for this program. I I could use the help of a dog. Can they do that too? They certainly can. There is an option on our website where they can apply for a dog. So they would go through our board. We would review that application and then send it on to Ultimate Canine so they can do their process and make sure it's a good match for the dog and the veteran. Okay, we've got that information up on Hammer and Nigel social media. Thank you for what you do, Don and Greg. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. All right, Rob Kendall coming up in just a moment. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. On 93 WIBC. 
is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Uh, obviously, the biggest story in the nation this week was the Fetterman-Oz debate, the Pennsylvania Senate race. Fetterman, obviously not well. I think it says a lot about, about the Democratic Party, what they think of their voters, what they think of Fetterman. Um, I thought it was pretty disgusting and hard to watch, uh, being that he is a recent victim of a stroke. They told us he was okay. They said, yeah, no, he's fine. Go go ahead out there. But they pushed him out there, and it was totally humiliating and embarrassing. I'm just wondering your overall thoughts of what you witnessed this week. Well, two things. One, yes, you want to feel bad for the guy the same way you want to feel bad for Biden. But then you got to remember who Fetterman was before his stroke. He's a total socialist leftist lunatic who wants to take away your guns, wants to tax you into oblivion, wants to have the government involved in every facet of your existence. So he's an Indiana Republican. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with Biden, right? You want to feel like, oh, there's this old man who's lost his marbles and they're taking advantage of him. But then you realize, well, this guy is the president. He's signing the papers. He's enacting the laws. He's doing the executive orders. These people do not like you. So while you can, it's okay to feel bad for them because of their state of mental health or mental condition or whatever, you have to remember they have to be defeated because they're trying to come at you. I'm not going to feel bad for somebody who wants to screw with my health care, who wants to screw with the way this country is protected, and honestly, for somebody that probably hates my guts. So I took a lot of crap for this yesterday because Nigel and I talked about this. I'm done feeling bad. I don't feel bad the least bit. I hope he gets better. I hope he gets the health that he needs. But in terms of trying to be one of the 100 most powerful people in this country, I don't feel the least bit of shame ripping this dude. Here's the bigger point, though. No matter how bad that was... This race is still going to be close. 48, 47, 49%. He still leads in some polls. Exactly. They're going to vote for John Fetterman. And this is the bigger conversation, which is, and you're seeing it here in Indiana, because they're running, Indiana Republicans, two horrific statewide candidates in Todd Young and Diego Morales. And there are still a whole group of people who, no matter what those guys do, are going to vote for them. And if you're going to vote for John Fetterman... The same way as if you're going to vote for Diego Morales, what you're saying is no matter what crap candidate the two old parties throw at me, I'm going to vote for it. And then I'm going to spend the next four or six years complaining about what a terrible job the two the, the crap candidate from the two old parties gave me. It's like people have the ability to, as Fleetwood Mac said, you you may never break the chain. You have the ability to break the chain and people don't do it. But how much of a fault of that lies with the libertarians, right? Because every time you want to believe in the libertarians, it's like wanting to believe in a Colts quarterback. Every time you're <laughs> wanting to believe in, all right, this is the guy, he's going to lead us, we're going to make things happen, they go onto a debate stage or they do something stupid. Well, but individual candidates, and, and, and so Jeff Moore, the libertarian nominee for Secretary of State, and we talked about this before, he is the best candidate the libertarians have ever run for statewide office. He is an A plus candidate. If you put him in a, if he were the Republican nominee for Secretary of State right now, he would get sixty percent of the vote. He is the best candidate they have ever nominated. And look, you're not going to go from weirdos to perfect in overnight. The Libertarian Party used what Rainwater did, which was getting you know that eleven and a half percent of the vote, and they have added county parties. They've started to fill out ballots. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. This isn't going to happen overnight. But we have to reward these third parties when they put good people out there to encourage more good people to run. But I have seen in states 
and maybe it's a poor example, like Minnesota, where they said, you know what? I think Jesse Ventura is a bit of a lunatic, but these other two folks stink. So we're going to roll the dice here, and we're going to hitch our wagons to Jesse. Now, he was a well-known wrestler. He had name recognition. I get that. Is that what it's going to take for a libertarian to make a legitimate run at something in Indiana? Well, name recognition? So here, here is what is on the ballot. So let's take away the U.S. Senate race, because I know we're going to talk about Todd Young and his gas pumping here in just a minute. <laughs> but the Secretary of State's race controls the ballot access. And I am telling you right now, there's a whole lot of people who are looking at that Secretary of State's race who would be great candidates to run for future office, who if the libertarians get the 10%, he doesn't have to win. I'm not under delusion right now going, Jeff Moore is going to be the next Secretary of State for the state of Indiana. But if he gets 10%, the Libertarians get primary ballot access, which is millions of dollars in free advertising that the Republicans and Democrats get, and it's access to voter information that they previously did not have. If they get that 10% in the Secretary of State's race, which Jeff Moore should easily get he is a great candidate he's done a great job they you will start to see much better people because they're gonna have millions of dollars in free advertising that the liber that the uh, democrats and republicans get but you got you got to vote for it man if you vote for diego morales in that secretary of state's race you are saying whatever crap the republicans throw at me i will eat it for here and forevermore but the libertarians have to put up there somebody that's not a total melvin too the two time and i i admit i missed the one debate uh with Maurer, but the last two times I've watched the debate, I've seen guys up there looking like that scene in Wayne's World where Wayne walks off the show and Garth has to host it by himself. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, but here's the point. Who are the people that are running? They're people with jobs. They're people with things to do. They're people who have, not, have never run for public office before. If the standard is we want Todd Young, well, Todd Young wanted to be in politics from the time he was old enough to tie his shoes and spend his whole life doing it, and for the past 12 years has colossally failed you. What would you rather have? Some guy who has trouble articulating a good message or a guy who has added $11 trillion <laughs> to the national debt in six years? There it is. What was it? The photo op. What was he doing at the gas station with the with the gas pump the other day? What, can you describe what I was looking at, you, you know what I'm talking about here? You guys remember in the original, uh, or I guess it's the second Terminator, where the uh, Patrick character, the bad guy Terminator, comes to present day and he like pops onto the scene and he kind of slowly gets up and is looking around and his muscles are all clenched and he has a stern look on his face. That was that photo of Todd Young. So he's at this gas pump in in or near Gary. And he's supposedly getting gas late late in the evening, coming home from some event. They've got the price of gas pictured in the background. And the only problem is there's no car <laughs> in the photo of which he's supposedly pumping gas. And on top of that, like his sleeves are too long on his shirt. His hair is kind of disheveled. He's grimacing at the gas pump. He's gripping like the like the you know the the, the gas pump like he's holding onto the side of a cliff for dear life. I mean, it's the most ridiculously staged photo ever. So you can say whatever you want about James Siniak having a bad debate or rainwater sweating during the debate. I'd rather have a sweater or a guy who couldn't had trouble completing a sentence rather than a guy who's added $11 trillion to that and is staging photos at gas pumps but without reality, cars. Yeah, but the reality is, I mean, as much as you don't like Todd Young and you've made it known for quite some time now, he is going to win sure. this race. Sure he is. Right? And you know what's going to happen? Because I saw this yesterday on social media. There were a whole bunch of people who in that Abdul poll who are conservative said, I hate Todd Young. I'm not committed to voting for him. 
And as always happens, when we get right up to the end of the line, all the bravado, all the tough talk, all the this, all the that, they go kneel at that altar of Republican Party politics, and they do a mental pretzel twisting that it amazes me people can do, and they go in there and vote for him. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to spend the next six years complaining about all the spending, about all the inflation, about all the butt-kissing of Mitch McConnell, about all the siding with the Democrats. You get the government you deserve. And this is just our uh, weekly reminder that Jim Banks is going to absolutely beat the hell out of this loser <laughs> Gary Snyder in his race. It's going to Forgot probably be that. the yeah. biggest blowout in the state of Indiana, maybe in the country. And I like to remind people of this because Gary Snyder is one of those trolls that goes on social media and, you know, he's ripped IBC before. He has this stupid little minions, these 23-year-old worms that have just gotten out of college that haven't accomplished a damn thing, and he's going to have his ass completely handed to him on a silver platter by Jim Banks. Yes, I would say Banks District is probably safe Republican. <laughs> Rob, what's the most important race in Indiana? Well, I would say it's the school boards. Because, the school boards, yeah. I mean, you, you think about the awakening, you know, and you guys have kids who are educated from home, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you kind of knew what was going on, but parents all across this state were awakened, and there's some really good conservatives running in Fishers, running in Carmel, running in Brown a little plug here for Dave Tinky and Tiffany Dearman running for Brownsburg School Board if you live in Brownsburg. And we saw we had a, a guest on today from Avon, Shauna Lake, who is that poor woman who is a great citizen, a patriot, happened to be in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, wasn't anywhere near the Capitol, wasn't in the Capitol, wasn't hanging out with the Viking guy. She was four football <laughs> fields away from the Capitol. And yet Indy Star runs this hit piece where they lead people to believe like she was storming, you know, the Bastille. They're out for these conservatives because they recognize that the that that, that people are now aware, even though these races are air quote nonpartisan, that there are a bunch of leftist lunatics that run these suburban school districts. Kiefer, Hart, um, such in Zionsville as well. I'm wondering if you think, though, do, do they not do this in every state? I mean, do, do, like there's no uh, R or D besides uh, the people that are running for school boards in this state. Uh, do they do that in other states? I think every state's probably different. I think a lot of them do have partisan labels. Look, school board is the most partisan thing we have. Think sure. about this. Surveyor, partisan. Coroner, partisan. Clerk, partisan. Every other election in this state is partisan except for school board. And this is where it gets me, because I went to a, an event in Hamilton County the other night, the Hamilton County GOP fall dinner, and Todd Houston, one of the Flanders boys, old Rod and Todd, <laughs> Speaker of the House, gets up there and is talking about, oh, we got to win these school board races, and they're most important, and this and that. The Republican Party in Indiana, because they are petrified of the teachers union, the Indiana General Assembly, refuses to make these partisan races. They know what they're facilitating. They know what they're doing. This disingenuous, babbling bullcrap from people like Todd Houston. We must win these school board races. We must get these Democrats out of there. You're enabling it to happen. So people better wake up and be very aware of who these school board candidates are. Can you stick around for one more segment? Sure. We're going off the rails with Rob Kendall. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here going off the rails with Rob Kendall. Uh, national polling looks pretty good for the midterms uh, for Republicans, doesn't it? I mean, when you look, especially like the real clear politics polls, Rob, how are you feeling uh, nationwide uh, in terms of success that the Republicans have the potential to win? Well, they're absolutely going to take the House. I mean, if, you know, ESPN has those game trackers where the probability <laughs> the team's going to win the, the football game based on what's happening. It's probably like 98% they're going to win the House. They're going to win the House. That's 
not the question. The question is the Senate. And I would imagine after that Fetterman debate the other night, um, you know, the vote counters in Philadelphia, you know, it's like they're they're training for a big sporting event. You know, they're getting ready. They're prepared. It's like a Rocky montage, you know, uh, no easy way out is playing in the background. They're lifting weights, getting their ballot canning ha- hands ready. And I bet they went into overdrive after that the other night. The problem with the Senate races that doesn't happen in the House races is most congressional districts don't touch a large city. Like most all of Indiana's house races, other than Marion County, which is Andre Carson, don't touch Marion County. So it makes it much harder to creatively count the jelly beans at 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. The pallets full of ballots that arrive. Unlike a statewide race, which is U.S. Senate, in which in Philadelphia, there could be more people vote than live in Philadelphia, and that wouldn't surprise me at all. So let's just, for argument's sake here, humor me. Let's say things are all on the up and up, and it's going to be a fair count. I do believe Oz has a great shot of winning Pennsylvania. We've debated about Georgia because it feels like This Warnock character, despite being a radical lunatic, all the momentum is still with him. All right, so here's what's going to happen in Georgia. And you remember remember when you guys had that weekend show here years ago? Oh, yeah. Somebody came on that show, and everybody else in this station was saying, Trump has no chance, and you know all the big timers, oh, Hillary's going to win, what a terrible nominee. One little unknown peasant came on the Hammer and Nigel weekend show and told you Trump was going to win. The same reason Trump won is why Herschel Walker's going to win, and it is... People who love Georgia football, who remember Herschel Walker running over people, who the pollsters are not going to be able to find, just like they couldn't find him with Trump because they don't normally vote. They're going to show up. Mock's husband is a great example. He's political. He's into politics. But if Mock's husband were non-political... Who do you think he'd be voting for? The no Heisman question. Trophy winner for the Georgia exactly. Bulldogs. Now, I'm not saying it's not going to be close. I'm not going to say that, you know, it, it, there may not be a runoff, which there may be, because if neither one gets 50%. But there's no way Herschel Walker is losing in Georgia. And I think the Republicans have a really good chance to steal that in Nevada, yeah. too. Yeah. I, I think it'll be 52-48. If you're saying, indeed, all the if it was a fair election... Not to say, because I know we're on YouTube, it's not going to be a fair election. But uh, <laughs> if it were a fair election, 52-48. We have got a night with WIBC yeah! tonight, Rob. You're going to be there. We're going to be there. And uh, thank you for going off the rails. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.